Welcome back to another episode of Doable Discipleship. Our mobile studio allows us to broadcast from anywhere. So uh, let's pretend that today we're at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Whoa. And Jason, you can talk in your mid-Atlantic accent the entire time, since my, you're the thespian among us. My mid... Do you uh, have one of those accents? Oh, gosh. Okay, no. You I know, the old-timey... The old... The one they say is like halfway mm. between a British accent and an American accent. I'm going to make a complete fool of myself by even attempting. <laughs> that's what the audience what loves. I don't, have, I don't have a single thought in my mind of what that would be like. Okay, well, uh, Jason Colin Firth Wheeland is here with us today, as always. It's two weeks or, in a row. As almost always. So, okay. uh, and, I don't know, Rob the John Wayne Jacobs. Wow. You can just call me the Duke. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. You're such <laughs> there a we duke. go. Let's cut, to the sh- let's cut it short. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it because we got a lot to cover today, and I pray we can do it without an episode that just gets crazy, crazy long. Uh, Rick kind of tipped us off on this worldview conversation this past weekend, and it's got all of our juices flowing over here. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the topic of worldview, and we'll define that exactly what that is in just a minute. But but. Rob, you want to start us off by just kind of recapping? Yeah, well, you're listening said. to Rick this weekend. He's kind of talking about that idea of you know who you're praying to, and we talked about this earlier in one of the mm-hmm. earlier episodes that who you pray to makes a big difference. And so that's worldview. You need to understand who you're offering your prayers to. And Rick, you know, uses that idea of like, hey, you know, the Big Bang. That means there's a big banger. He loves yeah. that joke. We love that joke. <laughs> so it is, always plays. It is classic. <laughs> and uh, so <clears throat> we're we're just thinking about. That question of what is what does it mean to know in our prayer life that we're at who we're praying to and we're praying to God, and how does that actually inform what our worldview looks like, the, yeah. um, and and what does a worldview mean to our prayer life? Yeah, mm-hmm. T- today's an important discussion, I think, and and this is stuff that I don't know. I think we like to talk about. We like to read on this topic, but it's one of those ones that goes really underappreciated in a lot of just like typical daily life. We don't always you know, take time to think about what we believe. So let's quickly start off with just a basic definition of what a worldview is. Um, because today we're, we're going to be tackling some questions that you may never have stopped to ponder before. And yet they're questions that have major implications for how you live your life and who you become. So when it comes to the discipleship, you know, from a discipleship standpoint, worldview is incredibly important. So a simple definition of worldview is a set of beliefs about reality that dictate the way that we live. Uh, that you can sum it up that simply. You can add more to that, but that's kind of the simplest definition. It's a lens through which you see the world. That's why it has the name worldview. So everything you see, you see through the lens of your beliefs. You have certain assumptions about the world. You have certain perspectives on things. Uh, some of it's you know implanted by parents. Some of it's because of your uh, your spiritual you know faith system. Some of it's because of uh, friendships that you have and people you hang out with, that stuff is imparted to you. But worldview is extremely important. Jason, you want to talk about why we should even care about the world? I love the topic of why we should care because it's, because it's really, it goes to this question of, of am I thinking about the way that I see things, you know? So, so this idea of, of why we should care is because how you think about things, what your idea of a worldview is really controls and dictates so much about your life and you may not even realize it. I think that's yeah. a big part is everybody has a worldview. Everybody is operating based off of some preconceived set of notions that governs my opinions. It governs why I do things. It governs the way I think about things. Yeah. And if you've never stopped and thought about why you think the way you do or why you believe the way that you do, then you are operating and going through life having given no thought to it whatsoever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you might be going through life with 
a, a warped perspective. You know, like I remember, like as a kid, they remember the beer goggles they would put yeah, on you to like sure. help you, like be like, this is what you, this is how you see the world when you're drunk, and so it, like warps your perspective. You can't walk, you can't get through life. This is how a lot of people live because they never bother to question whether the assumptions that they have about the world are true. And and this is this is this is easy to think of as like a high lofty intellectual thing, but it's really not. Like the way you believe has implications for every little thing that you do. You know, right, th- including I, our prayer life. Like, I have beliefs about which side of the road I ought to drive on. It's because I know that being on the wrong side of the road is dangerous that I stay on the right. Simple little things like that. And and this can be extrapolated out to our moral decisions, all of our thinking sure. about even life. the assumption of right and wrong is a worldview. Exactly. Well, it's exactly. just a question. It comes back to this question of why do you think that? Like, if you if you say something or you act a certain way, and a person asks you why do you think that way or why do you do yeah. it, you know, it's it's important, to, you know, to be able to point back and say, well, I think this way because of of this, 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 and as opposed to just well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yep. sounds good to me. <laughs> I think, and it also speaks back to kind of you know even going back to what Paul said, and you know, we should all be able to give a. Uh, a defense of what for what we believe. Worldview is such a part of that, you know? And so the think through worldview is to uncover those assumptions that you're talking about. And yeah. Jason, you're talking about these assumptions we're walking around with and make yeah. them explicit, make them known, bring them up into the light and see, yeah. this is what I'm operating. This is my operating system. Yeah. And yeah. is this really what I want it to be? And let me say this, like having a worldview that is warped by fallacies can happen to anybody. Oh, sure. yeah. And, totally. and even Christians need to be thinking critically about what they believe. It is not wise for Christians to believe without thinking. That is not, that's not good. And that's not what God calls us to. Yeah. Belief is important, but we are called to believe in something that makes sense because we, we worship and follow an orderly God, as Rick talked about this past weekend. So, yeah. Jason, take us into Ephesians. Well, that leads us right into Ephesians 4.14, which says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. So really what we're talking about is getting a grounding in your worldview, yeah. is being able to explain why you, why it is that you believe the way that it is instead of just being like, oh, that sounds good today, that sounds good tomorrow. It's it's more, it's, it's set, it has roots, it has foundation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, knowing the truth can protect you against the... Yeah. the falsehoods that come in and can pull us off track. Right. And if and if you and if you are a person who says I'm living with Christ in my life, I'm trying to live a life grounded, then your worldview is incredibly important and you need to be able to think critically about it and say doesn't do my actions match what it says I'm believing. And if you do and if you don't believe in Jesus, um, you are holding a worldview, and do your actions match what you really state you believe? So there's this yeah. sur- surface level thing of here's what we, we're all saying we believe, yeah. but then you can really look and say, yeah, but do we actually live that way? Yeah, I think the I can feel how passionate we all are on this already. <laughs> I, I think the crux of today's conversation is basically calling everybody who's listening or watching, and ourselves included, to take a hard look at what we believe and ask some basic questions that will help you determine, does my worldview make sense? Whatever background you come from, we want to help you just think critically today. Does your worldview make sense? Some of the stuff that we're talking about is codified, I think, in a really good way uh, in a book called uh, The Story of Reality by Greg Kokel. It's actually Gregory Kokel on the book, if you ever want to search for it. Highly recommended reading. It's a great way of understanding how people interpret the world and what those implications are. And then it kind of lays out the Christian story and sort of submits that as a examine this option and see if that makes sense. So I highly, highly recommend that one. That's an excellent book. One thing Greg says that I think is really powerful, he says a lot of people describe 
you know, people describe Christianity in different ways. Some people consider it a religion, and in some ways it is. Some people call it a relationship. Some people are like, I don't like the religion idea, mm-hmm. but it's about a relationship with God. He says, yeah, in some senses that's true as well, but he says those definitions don't go far enough. He said if you bottom line what Christianity is, it's a picture of reality. Mm-hmm. It's an understanding about how the universe came to be, how it actually works, and how we can best exist within this creation that we find ourselves. And we'll talk more about the particulars about that, but I think this is an important thing to understand. Christianity, more than just a religion, more than just a relationship, although it is those things and those are important, it's a picture of how the world is and how it operates. And it it's it has the ability to to govern all and every aspect of our life. That's the huge part. It's not just a single place of focus in our life. Be like, I am a Christian, so I believe yeah. that it's it's no, it's everything right. is explained and operated in the terms of right. Christian. And and do our lives actually reflect again, going back, do our lives reflect that stated belief? Yeah, do you yeah. even live yeah. by the belief? Like I, I have I have an uh, a family member who does not believe in Jesus. And mm-hmm. so they have created this idea that we come from energy, and then we go back to energy. And I yeah. simply ask, well, do, does your life reflect that belief? Yeah. You know, I'm like, or do you, if things just come from energy and go to energy, there's no sense of really real right and wrong, because it's right. just energy. So, and, yeah. you know, Hitler's going back to energy with Mother Teresa going back to energy. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, is what that, does that mean? Is that what you believe? No. Okay, yeah. well, then, you're, <laughs> so your worldview's not matching up with some your stated beliefs. better energy than others. <laughs> All right, well, you guys are touching on some, <clears throat> some tantalizing stuff for a little bit later, but let's, let's <laughs> frame it up. So what we're doing today is, is basically examining what a, gr- a good worldview must do. For, for a worldview to be a solid, tenable worldview, it has to cover some really basic things. And we're going to talk about four basic questions under two basic categories that every good worldview needs to do. So four questions. Sounds greatly organized. Yeah, I know. It sounds, <laughs> it may sound a little bit complicated, but we're just talking about four questions. It basically, you can ask yourself, does my worldview suck? Here's how to find out. Four questions. The first one is, is it internally consistent? That means, is it within itself, does it make sense logically in and of itself? Uh, Rob, you want to talk a little bit about that first Yeah, question? so one of the things is for it to be internally consistent, it must not contradict itself. So it must be logical. And there are... Get it back to those four questions. Does it contradict itself? Right. This it, is the first big so important question. We want something to make sure that it that's, has logic to it. And there are laws to logic. So human beings change, but logic doesn't. Mm-hmm. So the laws of logic are true and have been true everywhere at every time uh, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like the, the laws of logic are like the laws of math or physics. They are just true and have always been true and always will be true. Yeah. And if we have our own laws of logic, it's impossible to communicate. So when people say, well, I have my own set of logic laws, then you're, what you're saying is that's you're creating a situation where it's be impossible for us to share because I don't know if your logic matches my logic. And right. so we get in this incommunicable piece. The other part about the laws of logic is, is every truth claim requires an unchangeable law of, of logic. That if the laws of logic are changeable conventions, if we, if we can change them person to person, then anyone who thinks anything is true um, is, can con- have contradictory thoughts. So you can at the same time say, God is real, God is not real, and say, well, that's fine because it's logical. I have my own laws of yeah. logic, and that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So every truth claim, anything you believe requires logic for it to be true. Yeah. And all claims of truth, all of them, anyone that you're talking to, believer, non-believer, whatever we believe, require the human conventions 
of um, they require that logic does not change. They are not subject to the human conventions that you know our whims or whatever. We they they rely upon this fixed idea that is independent of our own minds. Logic is independent of our minds, right? It exists outside of our minds. Yeah, it doesn't really matter what you. Uh, say to be true or how you decide to warp logic because even though in your mind you may decide this is how I want things to work the universe continues to work in the way that it was made to work so so reality continues moving forward without any regard for what you think about it there is an objective reality at least that's the worldview that we come from there's an objective reality and our worldview needs to conform to reality rather than us expecting that reality will conform to right. our worldview. That will never happen. Right. Exactly. Proverbs uh, fourteen fifteen says something that's very powerful. And it, this is kind of, <laughs> this is something that I think we should all take to heart because uh, each of us, even even us who see ourselves as having a developed worldview would, would, if we really look hard, we can probably see ourselves operating on assumptions that aren't really true. Proverbs fourteen fifteen says, only simpletons believe everything they're told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. And this is really what we're calling everyone to do today, to consider yeah. whether what you've been believing actually makes sense internally. One thing that, um, is it Kokel or Turek? They might both do it, but I think Greg Kokel talks about the idea that some worldviews actually commit suicide. They actually kill themselves. He uses really strong language. He says, some logically actually slit their own throat. So a worldview may possess a certain premise that actually upends its itself, right? Sure, sure. So, the, so for example, a classic example would be um, this relativistic idea that there's no such thing as objective truth. Right. You can't make objective truth claims, and it's more of a your truth, my truth, truth is subjective kind of thing. But the problem is the very statement that there are no objective truths is an objective, you're claiming that to be an objective truth. You're claiming it to be objectively true that there are no objective truths. And so logically, that worldview turns back on itself and and it's self-refuting. The the term that that philosophers use is what's called self-referential absurdity. So it's the idea that the worldview looks back in on itself and reveals its own absurdity. It makes no logical sense. Right, so when you're when you're talking with someone who who makes that kind of statement, there is no truth. You simply have to just say, "Is that true?" Right, right. right. Or if they say all truth changes, just ask them, "Well, does that truth change?" Right. You know, um, all truth depends on your perspective. Yeah. And they ask, "Well, does that does that truth depend on your perspective?" Yeah. You know. So all of these things, these are these are the ideas that Kokel and Turk both talk about of like. They, they defeat themselves. Yeah. The logic defeats themselves. And this is important. And it's it's tough, though, because we're it seems like culturally we're moving into a time where everyone wants their own truth. Like They want to live according to their own truth. In fact, we even have terms now. Like, you can go to Urban <laughs> Dictionary and look these up. Like, there's this my truth, your truth uh, idea that's becoming prevalent in culture. Mm-hmm. But the problem is is that, is that no one, or at least not, not enough people, are asking the question, is that absurd? <laughs> yeah. And like, I think wait, the answer is Yeah, yes. it's why are we changing the definition of truth so much? If you can have a truth and I can have a truth and those can be different, it means one of us is not believing the truth. Right. Yeah. Because that's one kind of, of the nature of wrong. truth. It's that, an, yes. that it accurately that what I believe accurately corresponds to reality. That's really what truth is. All right, let's move on. So that's the first big question we've got to cover. Does it contradict itself? So does your worldview fall in on itself in the first place? What's the second one, Jason? The second one is, does it fit together logically? So you just heard the laws of logic that Rob was talking about. And what we're talking about here with this point is this idea that your worldview is really is like a whole bunch of pieces. And does it fit together in a logical way, does does each piece mesh well with each other piece? So 
in the story of reality book, Kokel talks about this uh, this idea of a puzzle. Mm. So he 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 says, imagine that you like have have tipped over a, a box of a puzzle and all the pieces fall out, and that's how a lot of people operate. It's just a bunch of pieces that are just scattered about, and that's their worldview. Yeah. So so his question is. Does the pieces of the puzzle fit together in a way that makes a logical sense that at the end of the day is a picture? Or do you have pieces that don't fit with each other? Or is the picture not making anything that is is clear or understandable? So this idea of the puzzle is really an interesting one to think about. And it's something that we'd encourage you to kind of think about in terms of a puzzle. Because your worldview is not just... A piece here and a piece here and a piece here and a piece here. No, and it has to all come together yeah. to mean something as, as as this is how I see the world. And if the pieces don't fit together, then there's something askew in yeah. the way that you are viewing the world. And it probably means one of two things if the pieces aren't coming together. One, it, it may mean that there's just an aspect about there's just an aspect about reality that we just don't know. Yeah. Like so there may be a mystery aspect sure. to that, but more often than not, there's a logic problem there where things aren't fitting together because one of the pieces is not right or you've got them in the wrong position. So more often than not, God has you know, revealed a lot to us. We can, we can, for the most part, form a really consistent worldview based on what's been revealed. But there's also the other problem where we, we often tend to get our puzzle pieces mixed together. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll hear people often reference lots of different worldviews and cobble them together into their own perspective. And then I'll stop and think, well, how do you mix... For example, I'll, I'll hear like young Christians talk about like, um, you know, they, they believe in Jesus and all that stuff. And then I'll hear them talking about karma. And then I'll go, okay, so now these are two very different uh, perspectives on how the universe works. Like, do you believe in a personal God who actually cares about his creation, is involved, and actually is just and enforces judgment ultimately? Or do you believe in sort of an impersonal force that just sort of like ebbs and flows, just like you were talking about earlier, Rob, this energy idea that just sort of like self like writes itself on its own and yet it's not a person you can't really reconcile those two things together harmoniously and so you mix different pieces of different puzzles and you realize i'm not really getting a clear picture of how the universe works well and then like and say something like karma see some of us like parts of it but we don't like all of it so we're not we're not internally consistent with it like we like the part of like somebody got what they deserve but on the flip side, you have to say, if somebody did not, if something bad happened to someone you think is good, you have to hold that they deserve that. Right. So you, like if, yeah. you know, if Mother Teresa got cancer or something, you have to say, well, I guess she deserved it. Right. You know, that's, that's the karma. So it can't just be, well, yeah, the bad guy got his comeuffins. It yeah. also has to be the good thing that happened to, yeah. the bad thing that happened to the good person. Well, I guess... They did something to deserve it. Yeah. And did you say muffins? I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> say we have muffins to, in there. We have to reference. Now the I'm muffins. hungry. It's yeah. muffin. It's early morning. It's so. muffins, yeah. right? It's muffins. I yeah. don't know. We gotta record Whatever. in the afternoon. I'm but not we sure. like the muffins. 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 But as muppets. Gotcha. Muppets. Yeah. As we talk about um, looking at the worldview from a Christian perspective and a Christian worldview. What Kokel talks about with the puzzle idea is he's like, is we don't have to blindly put together our puzzle. Yeah. Like they give you the picture on the box to use. And and for the Christian worldview, what that is is the Bible. Is is that's right. the that is the picture of the Christian worldview. So our question then is as we put together the pieces of our puzzle or the pieces of our worldview, is is that 
making the picture of the Bible. Yeah. And if there's something that doesn't quite fit, or, or as we were talking about earlier, if we start to pick and choose things that we want out of the Bible, then there's going to be holes in the picture, or there's going to be pieces that don't fit. And it, yeah. the picture, it becomes a distortion of itself. Yeah, and your worldview is not a place for you to be artistic, you know, <laughs> right? Like, it's not a place where you just, like, I think some people Look cobble together their worldviews, and at the end of the day, they go, well, I just like how I just like this. I like yeah. how this looks. I like how good. this feels. Yeah. I, I like that. But the problem is that it just it's just not true though. Like it may it, you may create a worldview that you like, but that doesn't make it true. And this is this is a big issue. And that really takes us into the next one. So, we've talked about internal consistency. Does it contradict itself and does it fit together logically? Two big questions to ask. And then that takes us into the the next section which is externally consistent, meaning is it do, does it really connect to the world that we actually observe. Uh, so number three is, does it provide an explanation for the world as it is? So does your worldview accurately describe and account for the things that we observe in the world around us? This is important. This is what philosophers will call explanatory power. Does a particular premise or set of premises actually connect logically with the world that we observe? Does it account for the things that we see? And so uh, this is where a lot of worldviews fall short because they may feel good, they may look good, they may resonate with us in some limited way, but at the end of the day, they don't all accurately describe what's happening in the world around us at any given time. Right. Or if you do hold to something that um, may not be totally consistent. So you may be describing something that you can see externally, mm-hmm. but you really in your heart of hearts, you don't believe that. A, a yeah. great example is Francis Crick, who's the f- co-discoverer of DNA. He wrote something called The Astonishing Hypothesis, in which he said that you, your joys and your sorrows, your memories and your amb- ambitions, your sense of personal identity and free will are in fact no more than the behavior of a vast assembly of nerve cells and their associated molecules. Mm. But he exempts himself from that very belief because he doesn't believe that about himself. He mm. believes that this idea is powerful and true. And if we are to hold to his external belief in what he sees and kind of the way the brain works, and mm. well, then we would have to say, well, no, that can't be possible. Right. But you're doing something, you're, you're, you're presenting a view and then saying, yeah, but that's not true for me because yeah. I don't really believe that. In fact, I believe this idea is true, even though it's just the product of random molecules in my brain and some chemical reaction. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but you don't believe that because <laughs> yeah. you believe what you said makes sense. Yeah, there's a there's a term that I was waffling about whether to bring up, but it's just it's it's this term that's called reductionism, and it's anytime we take uh, reality and we reduce it to something less than it is, and I, that's an example where you have a person making a truth claim about reality, but the problem is that reality cannot fit within that worldview, right? I mean, that's another one that you know some philosophers talk about uh, describes a good worldview is can other worldviews fit inside that worldview, right? And there are times where where a certain view on reality just isn't big enough or strong enough to accommodate what we actually see. So that's an example where you say, okay, if, if we can be reduced to just natural processes, just neurons firing, and that when we came to exist because of purely natural blind processes, well, then the very claim he's making can't be true. Sure. You can't make claims on things like morality and right and wrong. It's, All you can say yeah. is, I prefer this over that. So it's, it's again, it's a worldview that's not being consistent. And exactly. you can contrast that with... Um, this atheist evolutionary biologist, J.B.S. Haldine, who said, if my mental process is determined wholly by motion of atoms in my brain, I have no reason to suppose that my beliefs are true. 
Mm-hmm. And hence, I have no reason for supposing my brain to be composed of atoms. Right. So here is a person who is being consistent in their belief, saying, yeah. this is what I believe, and so therefore, it's impossible for me to really believe anything, yeah. even, though, even though if this sentence says logically makes sense, if I yeah. even know how to use these words properly. I mean, that's consistency. Now, it's, you know, it seems like totally illogical and whatever, but that is at least a person who's being consistent to what they say they believe. Yeah. So an, a follow-up question, this main question is, does it provide an explanation for the world as it is? But a follow-up question to that is, is my worldview complex enough, or, do, or does it fall short in describing reality? If you see things happening in the world that you can't explain from the perspective of your worldview, your worldview can't fit that in, there's a problem with your worldview. Mm-hmm. That You have an incomplete picture of the world, and that's where most uh, worldviews wind up. Uh, so let's talk about four questions. We're going to camp here for just a second, but four questions that kind of expand on on this question we've been talking about. Does it explain the world as it is? Because this is going to be the these are going to be the questions that we look to tackle in the coming weeks. So the first one is uh, any good worldview needs to answer these simple questions. First is how did how did everything begin? So how did we come to exist? How did the universe come to exist? Second is why are things the way they are? So we observe a world that is a combination of both good and bad. We observe what we would sometimes call evil. Some worldviews allow for you to call things evil. Some worldviews don't allow for that. They just say it just simply is. Mm. Or, or, or some do, but don't. they're not consistent with that. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> You're yeah. saying that's evil, but you believe in something that can't prove evil. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so why are things the way they are? So why are things broken the way we can't deny that they are? Uh, the third one is how can things be made right again? So does your worldview offer a way for things, for things to be corrected? And then finally, how will everything end? So summing it up, you need to be able to explain how things came to be. You got to explain why things are the way they are, how they can be fixed, and then how everything ends. And and really, if you take a moment to examine every worldview, like every prevalent worldview, they all give some answer to this to right. these questions. Yeah. The question is, are those compelling answers? Right. Do they obey the laws and the questions that we've already discussed? Yeah. Are they consistent? Exactly. So take, for example, the first one, how did everything begin? The law of causality states that everything that has a beginning has a cause. Yeah. Right. So this is going back to Rick's. Rick sums it up perfectly. A big bang has a big banger, right? right. Um, the universe had a beginning, therefore the universe has a cause. So does your worldview, is your worldview consistent with it? If you think that something is, you have to believe that it has a cause. Now, some people honestly go to the, well, what caused God? But by the very definition, it's a definition issue because you're, you're saying, well, what caused God? But God, by definition, is uncaused, out of time, spaceless, timeless, immaterial, that kind of thing. But when you look at the universe, again, looking at how did everything begin, we have, we have it leaves us with two options. One option is, that no one created something out of nothing. Yeah. No one, no creator created something because we all see that there is something, but it was created out of nothing. Yeah. And so that's one view. Yeah. That's usually the non-believing view, the atheist view. Tease this out, but not too much because you're taken <laughs> for next, next week's, week's episode. episode. <laughs> Homeboy. All right. So no, we'll just, and then the other view is someone created something out of nothing. Yeah. So Again, this is just speaking to the how did everything begin, because these speak to this our story of reality, yeah. and is our story consistent with the way we're living our lives? Yeah. That's a good tease. Next week, we're going to be talking about beginnings and why beginnings matter. Why does it even have any, like, why why does our beginning have any value to us? And I think for most of us, it's kind of self-evident that it does. Next week, we'll talk a little bit more rationally about why the way we began has implications for how we live and what is in store for us today. But yes, these are the big questions we're going to cover. How did everything begin? Why are things the way they are? How can they be made right? 
and how will everything end? Um, so under the externally consistent part, we're, we're talking about question three. Does it provide an explanation for the world around us? Uh, and then on to number four. Rob, do you want to take us into to the fourth question? Well, the, the fourth question is, does it account for our human experience? In other words, does it account for the aspects of, uh, the aspects of human life that we cannot deny? We know we are conscious. We know that we have a sense of eternity. You know, the Bible says that we have, um, God puts this sense of eternity in all of us. Um, we know that there's a sense of moral duty. We, we have this idea of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, C.S. Lewis speaks to this excellently. But again, it's just, again, does our, does our worldview, is our worldview consistent with the way we act? So a lot of people say, well, there's no such thing as right or wrong, but then they go all through their life pointing out everything that's right or wrong, or there's no such thing as evil or good, well, especially evil. They don't like the evil part. Yeah. But then they're happy to point out just how evil the, the world is, or especially certain people in the world are. Yeah. So the, again, they're not being, they're not being consistent with their worldview. And so um, it makes it difficult to put the puzzle pieces together, you know, as Jason was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. There are just parts of, of our existence that need to be accounted for. There are things that, you know, some philosophers call these pre-theoretical ideas. Like they're ideas that we just know to be true, that we cannot deny as, 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 just human beings. Self-evident. Christians, from the Christian worldview, we, yeah, they're self-evident truths. Um, from the Christian perspective, we may say something like, you know, this is, you know, when God is described as planting eternity in our hearts, that there's this, that as image bearers of God, we possess these certain knowledge, this certain element of knowledge that we cannot explain where it comes from. And I think moral duty is a classic example of that. So how do you explain this idea that we all feel obliged to obey a moral law uh, and do that with a with a purely naturalistic world. Sure. You, you can't do yeah. that. Tell me how DNA, tell me how DNA explains what's right and wrong. Right. It doesn't. I mean, the law of the jungle is eat and be eaten. Yeah. So you can never <laughs> but make... we don't live that way. <laughs> you can never make a truth claim about anything if you have that, that perspective. You can't say even something as basic as what we all know to be true. We all have a gut sense that, you know... The fascist oppression of Jews in World War II was a flat-out evil. Like every, no one is in disagreement about that, even atheists. But the problem is that on an atheistic worldview, you don't actually have any ground to call that evil. All you can do is say that, from my perspective, that is not preferable. So, when, and a lot of people will say, like, we've made moral progress over time, and as we understand things better scientifically, we can make better moral choices. And there may be a little bit of truth to that, but the reality is, we can't. We, we don't, by sheer discovery, understand morality better. Like, we may understand how the world works better, but there's still something that's deeper than that that dictates that we ought to do certain things and ought not to do certain things. And you can't actually even say that moral progress is happening on a naturalistic worldview. All you can say is that moral change has occurred. You can't say that moral progress because you don't, have a, you don't even have a standard you're measuring that to. You, right. don't have a, you don't have an objective standard of what's right and what's wrong. So I can, I can you know, steal your iPhone and... You really have no grounds to say that I've done anything wrong, only that you're aggravated by it. It's not preferable to you. Exactly. And this speaks back to the point that Jason was making about the puzzle pieces. Every, every, if, you don't, if you don't have something that you can point to, and in the Christian view, in this our case, it's the Bible. Yeah. If you don't have something that you can point to and say, objectively, that's where I'm getting my, my worldview from, you're just yeah. holding an opinion. And there right. can be, you know, as many people are on this planet can be as many p- opinions. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. All right, let me recap those questions real quick so I want to make sure those are clear. First, does it contradict itself? You've got to ask that about your worldview. Does it kill itself with its own premises? Two, does it fit together logically? So does it join together? Do the premises of your worldview come together to form a complete and rational picture? Three, does it provide an explanation for the world as it is? So does it let you see the world accurately? And fourth, does it account for the human experience? So does it answer for the pre-theoretical or the self-evident truths that we all intrinsically or inherently feel inside. And let's take it home with some doable steps, Jason. Uh, If you're feeling like we just got this episode going and there's all this like there's a thousand different rabbit it's trails that we could go on. <laughs> we're just resisting. But it's a big conversation that we're just kicking off. So stick with us for the next few weeks because we're going to continue to talk through those questions we referenced earlier. How did everything begin? Why is it wrong? Or how are things the way they are? How can things be made right and how will it end? Jason, take us home. But as we do with every episode, we always end with some doable steps. This is a doable discipleship podcast after all. And you may be thinking, this is so heady. How can they even develop some doable steps? Oh, we got them, baby. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Thanks for the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Met. All right. So obviously, I think the big thing that we've been talking about today is this idea of thinking and developing this habit of critical thinking. So one thing that we'd always want to encourage is take some time and start to think about why it is that you believe things the way that you do. Like, what do you believe? And what does that point back to kind of stuff? So so as an overarching thing is developing this habit of critical thinking. Um, and this it's this idea th- and that believing is not a substitute for thinking. And we've talked about this a lot on the show, is that being a Christian and having faith does not mean that you shut your brain off. Yeah, In right. fact, it's quite the opposite. It means that you engage your brain and as Paul says, what we talked about earlier is is be able to give answers for everything that you believe and think. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the overarching one that we're talking about here. We've mentioned a couple of books, and and we want to mention some others too. So the big one that we talked about um, is the story of reality by Gregory Kokel. Another one that we um, that we have have looked at. I don't think we've mentioned on the show was called "Stealing from God" by Frank Turek, mm-hmm. and um, "Finding Truth" by Nancy Piercy. All of these books talk about this idea of worldview, yeah. and um, so we'd encourage you to either check any or all of those out. Let me jump in with one more. Go ahead, Doug. Rob, you referenced uh, this earlier when you're talking about morality. Um, one of the biggest revelations for me was that you know, for me, one of the strongest arguments for God comes from the argument of morality. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you mentioned C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity lays it out so, so, so well. Excellent book. And it's crazy that being like a 60-year-old book, 70-year-old book, that it still like strikes at the heart of worldview discussion today. So check out Mere Christianity. You may need to read it kind of slowly and ploddingly because C.S. Lewis is super, (laughs) he, he can describe things in a very highfalutin way. And you're talking about like 1940s British writing. So just slow down, read through that. But his uh, his arguments for the existence of God on the basis of morality are so powerful. So I'd throw that one in there too. Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis. In this episode, we've said highfalutin and comeuppance. So we've been really- <laughs> Muffins, muffins. We've been really hitting those words today. Um, and then uh, just as a, as a really practical one that you can do even starting today yeah. is we'd encourage you to read Romans chapter one, and read it from a standpoint in thinking about a worldview, and thinking about the Christian worldview, and thinking about your worldview. Um, and and to go along with the 40 Days of Prayer campaign, we'd even encourage you to pray through 
this chapter. So as you're reading it, as things are, are popping into your mind, ask God about them and talk to God about them and say, God, I've never thought of it this way, or God, I'm a little confused, you yeah. know, and, and just and have it be a conversation with God, because prayer is conversation with yeah, God. Yeah, if you look at the the message notes, go go back and look at your message notes. Again, the message action plan that um, will also have this, but the five dimensions of prayer are really an awesome way to actually look mm-hmm. at your worldview. Yeah. Um, when you start thinking about looking back toward the cross, well, that's a worldview. That's a worldview view, looking yeah. back to the cross and mm-hmm. looking forward to your future in faith. That is a worldview view. Yeah. So this connects directly to our prayer life because if if we only hold that what we see in the material world is existent, then we're only going to pray for those things like food and shelter and um, you know health issues. But we know that's not true. We know there is something beyond that and. Um, and the God that we worship. And so our prayer can include things like our purpose. Our prayer can in things, include things like working on character and wanting to see justice and all these things that are immaterial. You can't yeah. touch purpose. You can't touch character. You can't touch justice. But we should want those things just as much as we should want health and provision in our lives. And so uh, worldview speaks directly to our prayer life. Yeah. And so it, it's, an, it's an important aspect. And that it's kind of interesting just kind of bringing it back again. Rick reminding us again that who you pray to <laughs> or what you pray to, I, and depending on your belief, is essential yeah. because it will, it will, will pl- that will play out all through your discipleship and your prayer life. Yeah. Good, good, good. Thanks, guys. Thank you for watching or listening. Join us next week as we talk about how everything began and why the heck it matters. <laughs> yep. We'll see you next time. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows, your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.